Hey everybody, how's it going? Josh here, and welcome to the first 2020 episode of the H&E Pod here. And today I'm joined by a special guest, Jackson, who I'm going to let introduce and say a little bit about himself. Jackson, welcome to 2020. Hey, same to you, Josh. Uh, great to be in a new decade, new year, uh, fresh things. Hopefully everyone has a positive year. Um, I'm, If you don't know me, I'm Jackson Hayes. I'm editor-in-chief of FullCircleCinema.com, and I'm a features editor over at CBR.com. Um, so I'm all over the place, you know, doing doing work around and keeping up to date with all the all the movie nonsense and stuff. So, yeah, we're excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So obviously we have tons of stuff to talk about today with the year wrapping up and the new year beginning, not even just new year, new decade beginning. And if 2020 is anything like the 2010s, I can't even imagine what this will be like in 2029, 2030 when we get to that point. I mean, the changes that we've seen in the last 10 years is just insane, both with the streaming stuff and just movies in general, I think, like the cinematic universe, how that's become such an expansive thing across multiple studios. It's just kind of blows my mind to think about that really a lot of these aren't, they were around 10 years ago and more, but they weren't nearly the same type of machine they are today. No, I mean, 10 years ago, I mean, at this point we were at Iron Man 2, in the MCU. And I mean, looking yeah, back at that, that, yeah, it feels like a hundred years ago. Um, so, you know, it's, it's so different now. I mean, the world is immersed in this universe and, and in the star Wars universe, you know, we've had an entire new trilogy of movies within this decade and two, two solo movies that have come or two spinoff movies that have come out. Um, now we're, we're moving on to the Disney plus shows and we've already just finished the first season, of the Mandalorian 10 years ago. I would never, never have thought we would have gotten a live action star Wars series. But, you know, now we've already finished the first season of one and another it's coming back next year. And there's two others in the works. Um, I mean, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. The topics we have here today for those who like skipping around to certain things, if you're listening to the whole thing on SoundCloud or Spotify versus the different segments on YouTube. The first topic is going over top five anticipated movies slash TV shows for 2020. Then the second topic is just kind of looking back at 2019, saying what we thought was Arias what we thought was the best and the worst movie slash TV show respectively. And then we get into some news discussions because Disney plus has kind of announced a few things. And then some of the Disney plus Marvel shows have had things, which I guess technically are currently rumors, but seems pretty trustworthy to believe 95 plus percent. It'll probably happen. And then last but not least, since both Jackson and I have seen Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. We're just going to talk about it a little bit. Some final thoughts since we've had time to marinate post viewing the movie. Uh, and yeah, that's about it. So getting into the first topic for top five. Jackson, you're the guest here. I'll let you go first. What is your top five anticipated movies or as TV shows for 2020? Yeah, so I mean, I know everyone uh, and a lot of people that listen to your show and read your site. It's a lot of people listen to my shows and read my site. Uh, it's, it's all, you know, it's very comic book oriented, very star Wars oriented, very, you know, big blockbusters, but I'm going to talk about one movie just, just, you know, a little, little, I mean, everyone knows about this, but, uh, it's Christopher Nolan's tenant. Uh, the trailer came out recently. Um, it looks like a, you know, a mind bender. It looks very inception esque. Um, something that, I mean, every, every movie that comes out from Nolan is a hit. And uh, yeah. this one looks to be no different and uh, very excited to see John David Washington um, in the leading role alongside Robert Pattinson. And the cast looks amazing. And it just it looks like it's going to be one of those to remember. And uh, I'm just excited to get to in 2020. 
There's a theory about that. I don't know if you saw it kind of going into what maybe it might be about. Yeah, I've seen some of the stuff online. Um, it's hard. I mean, it's hard to avoid. Um, yeah, uh, that's, you know, my, maybe it's a spiritual sequel to inception or a direct sequel to inception or, you know, uh, about the time traveling elements that people have talked about. Um, I mean, I'm, it, all I know is we can, we can all, you know, theorize and go as deeply as I can, but at the end of the day, I know it's not going to be what any of us expect and, and we'll be the better for it. Very true. So what is your other ones? Two, three, uh, yeah, four, couple- five. Yeah, a couple more. Um, I'm definitely going to throw uh, Mandalorian season two. Uh, that's fresh in my mind, and they recently released uh, and they announced that the second season is coming in by the end of this year. So, um, I mean, I know it's the first day of the year, and this, you know, just last week this show ended. But I mean, the way it ended, it's it's top of my brain. I'm ready for more episodes. I'm ready to see where where the adventures take Mando and Baby Yoda next season. And then uh, another little uh, kind of under the radar show. Um, I'm not sure how many people uh, uh, watched this last year, but. Uh, um, Umbrella Academy on Netflix was one of my favorite shows, and I'm definitely going to talk about that in the next segment. But um, I'm super excited for season two. I wasn't very familiar with the with the comic books, but um, I watched the show early. I ended up getting a screener, and I, I fell in love with it immediately. And I couldn't I couldn't believe how good it was. And then when I finished, I wrapped up the season. It was just it, it's one of my favorite shows. It was definitely one of my favorite shows from last year. I just I just want to see them continue that story. Then I'll go to a to a guilty pleasure of mine. Um, I'm going to put Fast and Furious 9 on this list. Um, these movies are, you know, mindless and they're ridiculous, but, um, they always leave a smile on my face and, ha- and let me have a good time. So I know a lot of people have issues with, you know, the nonsense that goes on in the Fast and Furious movies, but it's, it's one of my favorite franchises. And I mean, it's one of the most successful franchises today. So, I mean, you can hate, but people love these movies. Um, and then my last one, I'll throw a Marvel Studios one on there on um, the Eternals, the, the cast, the, the, just the idea in general, this, 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 you know, epic a prequel type, you know, thousands of years ago in the Marvel universe, um, the introduction of these these new powerful beings. I'm just I'm super excited for this new franchise within the MCU, and I uh, can't wait to see where it goes. Nice. That's a pretty. There's a little bit of overlap between your list and my list. Uh, okay. I I have starting off maybe a surprise to some, maybe not a surprise, but the upcoming James Bond film, No Time to Die. I'm a, I'm a pretty big fan of the Daniel Craig series. I thought they were gonna end it actually, and I could have sworn. Daniel Craig went on the record saying he'd rather basically like slit his wrist than do the role again. <laughs> so I was actually really surprised when they announced that they were actually not only doing it, but it was coming out very soon. So I'm really interested in seeing that, especially if it's the final send off movie before they eventually recast the role since like a year or so ago where there was actually high rumors before they officially confirmed that they were filming this movie I guess some high level rumors about recasting and a short list of a new actor to play James Bond. So assuming this is the final adventure for Daniel Craig's interpretation of the character, I'm really I'm really interested in that. Besides that, I'm pretty see, I was going to say Tenet, but since you said it, I I think I'm going to swap it with something else just to mix it up some more. So the Eternals, I feel like I have to add that in just because there's so much that could come out of it whether it's exploring more of the cosmic side and just in general, the cast is so stacked, the directing, the production team, cinematography, everyone that seems to be involved with this project is pretty top tier. So I'm really anticipating a great movie, even by, I guess, Marvel standards. Besides that, the new Ghostbusters, I'm really interested in seeing. I guess I'd make that my number three. Number four, I, I would do A Quiet Place Part Two. Uh, I really enjoyed the first one, and I know the new trailer came out today as of when we're recording with the larger budget predicting they they could probably do some really cool stuff there, especially world building wise. 
And then ending it off, you know, originally I was going to say something like Tenant. Instead, I'm going to say WandaVision. Okay, okay, um, sure. Because they just recently announced that they're moving that up to 2020. And it's kind of a little CBM heavy, I guess, for my anticipated movies. But maybe it's because we're in that field, you know, like kind of have to pay attention to what we do all day, every day. Yeah. So it's like there's just too much going on with all those respective properties, movies coming out that I I feel like I can't miss it. I'm really eager to know like which way they're going to go with it, because some of them like WandaVision, A Quiet Place Part Two, there's so much flexibility. Yeah, they're holding a lot to the vest. Like we don't know where these things are going. We have, you know, we get little snippets here and there, a, a set photo or a, or a, you know, a this or that, but we don't really have a full grasp of what they're actually going for. And I think that I think that leads the anticipation a little bit. No, it really does. But with Tenet, I kind of want to talk with you about this just a little bit. Yeah, if sure. you're if you're interested in it, so what do you think Tenet's going to end up being about? Because of course Nolan always wants to do something like mind-bending in each one of his films. Right. I think it's. I mean, the, I mean, the elements we got. So you know, in the trailer, Don John David Washington dies, um, or seemingly dies. It's it's hard to tell with this with this kind of movie. I mean, it's it's everything you look at. You don't know if you're looking at the thing you're actually looking at. You're looking at something entirely different. Uh, I think I think the time traveling is going to work in some point. I don't know if it's him traveling through time to 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 stop whatever event that they were referring to this world ending event that may happen, um, in the present day. So I'm not sure if it's just a time traveling romp. I'm not sure if it's a, if it's a more, more kind of like inception thing where they're going inside of, you know, a different reality or, or a mind or something. I mean, I mean, every, I mean, you know, an interstellar goes into another reality and, and in inception, they go inside of someone's mind. I mean, there's gotta be some form of form of, you know, reality bending. It's just so hard to, so hard to understand because Christopher Nolan just, his mind is on another plane of existence and I don't even know if I can comprehend what he goes for until I mean, some of his movies, I still can't fully comprehend. Um, <laughs> it's just it's just that difficult. Like, I mean, the fact, you know, Inception is one of those movies that uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Inception, but it's it's such a it's such a mind bending movie that it's just hard to grasp and to, to even form an opinion on at some point. So it's I'm hoping for the best. And I know it's going to be a, it's a great it's going to be a solid, solid movie. And I'm, I'm sure it's going to be one of my favorites of the year. I mean, that's just the, it comes every time a Nolan movie comes out. That's the case. Yeah. Well, I saw something online where people were saying maybe Nolan's taking inspiration from this not super far out, but still relatively far out theory where I guess during the Big Bang, two different kind of timelines, if you want to call it that, were basically created one going forwards in time, one going backwards. Mm. And basically people, some people out there are speculating that maybe with Tenet, what the whole thing is about is the discovery of that second mirror universe where time goes backwards because technically their past is our future. So if you could access that, you would be able to tell the future theoretically. That'd be kind of cool. I think, I mean, it kind of makes sense from the trailer because they have that scene where I think near the end of the trailer, the guy's like, what is this? And he's like, it hasn't happened yet. And then the people come like almost in reverse into the room or something. Yeah, the car. So, they have the scene with the car with the cars going in reverse. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that'd be kind of cool. I, I, That's I, I what they're doing. I mean, man, I mean, I, I could I would definitely be interested in seeing something around, definitely, that, around that idea. Yeah, it wouldn't even be the wildest thing Nolan's done either. Yeah, between Interstellar <laughs> or Inception. So it's definitely believable, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean – Tenet, definitely something when it comes out, like I'll have to touch base with you on just to see how close some of our ideas might be to it versus just also 
something as simple as sending a message. Hey, Jackson, do you know what we just watched? Uh, every time, every time I have to ask someone, what was that? Did, did you, did you understand it the way, the same way I did? Or is this like, you know, I mean, he, there are a lot of, some of his innings are up for interpretation, like inception. You don't know if he's in, in the alternate, you know, in the mind reality or he's out of it. Like you, it's, I mean, there's hints and there's teases, but if you don't want to look at those, like it's left up for interpretation specifically. So it's, it's not like he's going to, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think the ending is going to be wrapped up in a nice bow is, is all yeah. I'll say. No, I agree. But getting into the second topic here, with 2019 come and gone at this point, in your opinion, what was the best movie slash TV show and the worst? I don't know if okay. you want to start with the best first and then we can go to the worst or maybe we can start with the worst. Which so, one do you yeah. think? Um, I'll start with cruising? the I'll start with the best just to right. get my praise out of the and then, you know, we can talk about the worst I have. Um, so right. <laughs> the best the best movie I have and I still feel this way i've been catching up with the oscar movies here recently in recent weeks watching things like uncut gems marriage story all of that trying to catch up um but still number one on my list by the end of the year is joker i i just the feeling i had watching that movie i couldn't take my eyes off of the screen i was like fixated on it, it the way it's shot the way it's acted this the world they put you in of gotham it's it's unlike anything i've seen in recent years and it just it it, it made me feel just like gross and dirty in a good way, like in a, in the way that in the way that you're supposed to, like you're immersed in this horrible world that's just that's just down on everything, and and the the main characters just you know beat down the entire movie, and you feel it with him. And once he breaks, like it's not it's not something that you agree with, but it's something you understand. And I think that's what they wanted to go for. And I think that's what all movies should go for. Um, you know, the choices you don't have to agree with, but if you can understand why that person did what they did. Then it's you know you you can you can understand the movie itself, and I just think I just think Todd Phillips and his team of Walking Phoenix did such a good job with that movie. I mean, it blew me away. I mean, I'd heard good things, I'd heard bad things. You know, the the, the script leak and all that, and all the stuff going around, all the all the discourse about it beforehand. I just wanted to go in and see the movie, and I did, and I just I was blown away. So did yeah, you have a separate that's... best TV show also, or just movie? um yeah uh, so best TV show I will go um Barry on HBO um uh, I have not caught up with Watchmen um some people over on my team is definitely uh, are upset with me about that for sure um because <laughs> I keep keep going on and on about watching you know, Watchmen but uh yeah I was um, late uh, to that party yeah I'm, I'm, I still haven't caught up I was really fixated on the CW crisis stuff I was catching up on other shows and stuff before that when Watchmen was on but but Barry on HBO. I, I love that show to death. I think Bill Hader is incredible. I think that show is just so witty and funny and unique. Um, and I just I just love that, you know, it's from the mind of Hader and he just came to HBO and said, I want to make a show about a hitman who wants to be an actor. And you're like, what? And you watch it and it's just it's just everything. It's a lot of it's a lot of stuff that you would never think that you would want to see. But then you watch it. and it, it's, it's incredible. It's one of the most original shows I've ever seen. So, yeah, definitely Barry season two from this year is, is, is my standout. For me, actually, for best movie, and I don't know if you've seen both of them or not, it's between Us or Parasite. Yeah. yeah. Both of them, I mean, they're just so good in oddly similar ways, actually. Like, I think there's some overlapping themes here and there between the two films, but I want to give it to Us just to edge it out, just for personally, like, I thought that was, I enjoyed it more, and I, I just, leaving that movie, not only was it thought-provoking on certain thematical elements and just the story in general was pretty thought provoking, but I just thought it was very well done, especially, you know, Jordan Peele kind of hitting it out of the park again after his previous attempt with get out. I mean, to kind of basically bat two for two is pretty impressive. I think 
even though the director of Parasite's phenomenal as well, I'm not trying to discount him. When watching Us, I mean, from the trailer to the end of the credits, I was pretty, I was pretty intrigued, honestly, by the mystery of the story. I thought at one point it'd be cloning or something, you know, like maybe some Nazi scientist thing. Uh, I wasn't really sure where it was going to go into the film. And I'm not going to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it, but definitely it's well worth the watch if you can watch it. Um, I'm not, I don't think it's on Netflix, but I think it's on uh, Vudu for those who have that video streaming service. And it should be on not Netflix, but like Redbox might have it. Or Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can rent it. You can find it. Yeah, you can, you can find it definitely at this point. I mean, it's, de- it's definitely worth it if you have to search for it a little bit. And for TV show, originally – like I haven't really watched that much TV this year, at least not like new shows. At least I've been watching some older ones like Dexter, which I've enjoyed until getting into the later seasons. And obviously you season two, which just came out. I watched that and definitely I didn't expect the stuff that happened in it to happen. No, I'm not going to spoil anything, but Watchmen for sure, I would say was my favorite and probably the best TV show I saw just because of the way they went about not only adapting the graphic novel, but then continuing it. In a relatively fresh way, but also with some interesting callbacks. Certain callbacks they have to things that happen in characters that never really had that much spotlight in the graphic novel. It just kind of blew me away with how much they use that to add new dimensions to the Watchmen universe. And then also once Dr. Manhattan came into the picture, you know, that whole revelation, if you want to call it that, and really what they set up with that, I thought was really cool. And just obviously the acting, the direction, everything about it was rather well done. The only complaint I think people could honestly have for the most part is when Dr. Manhattan was reintroduced, it was a little up and down with regards to like how he was displayed. Like sometimes he was glowing and he had the, you know, just the white eyes. Other times he had pupils and he was basically just painted blue. I mean, I'm sure budget reasons were involved, but it did kind of the inconsistency of his presentation was probably jarring to some people based on feedback I saw online. But Watchmen, definitely, Jackson, you got to watch it when you get a chance. It's it's worth it. One hundred percent. I'm absolutely going to catch up. I mean, I've heard nothing but great things. So I'm 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 a, I'm a fan of the Snyder movie. I'm a fan of the book. So I'm going to watch it at some point. Um, but before we jump to the next topic, I do. I mean, us. Um, I loved, loved, loved us. I'm one of the biggest Jordan Peele fans around. Um, Get Out is one of my favorite movies of all time. And us is as sitting number three on my list for this year. And it hasn't moved since it came out, basically. It's 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 an incredible movie. And I think pe- people people have issues with the you know, with the way it, you know, portrayed at the end with the big reveal. But uh, I think it works perfectly. I think it's I think it's so unique. And another home run for Jordan Peele, and I, I I can't wait to see what comes next. So much so that I almost put uh, the Candyman reboot on uh, on my most anticipated list. But uh, he he's only a producer, but still, and he's going to have the influence. Uh, but I uh, I'm not I'm not a big guy for scary movies, so it's it, it's a love it's a it's a t- weird relationship with me and Peele because I'm not a scary movie guy at all. I, I can't help but see his movies and love them every time I see them. So, but getting into TV shows, what is what was your favorite TV show? Um, other than Barry. Oh, wait, we already did that. Why yeah, am I? Wait. I'm blanking. I mean, I, I'm I thinking can have about, another one if you want to talk about it. No, no. Well, oh, yeah. well I guess what is it since we're oh, on it? I meant oh, to ask yeah, what yeah, the yeah. worst one was. but Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, yeah. I will say this. So we, we can, this will be an easy segue. I didn't watch much bad TV this year. I avoided it on purpose. That's a lie. I, I, listen, I know there's so much TV, but I did my best. Other than just throwing the CW shows under the under the bus, which but but I I'm a <laughs> shill. I enjoyed them for what they are. 
I'm not going to hate on him. So I'm going to I'm going to avoid worst and I'm going to I'm going to go to another best just to just to throw it off. Okay. Um, uh, Aver Duvernay's When They See Us on Netflix um, that came out earlier this year. It's it's an incredible, incredible show. I mean, it's a mini series, four parts um, shot basically like a movie but cut into four pieces. It, it, it's 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 such a hard watch, but it's such a necessary watch. And it was really something that opened my eyes to a lot of things and just the issues of today. And I thought it was really timely and it's something that people should watch, you know, in today's current climate. So um, if you haven't seen that, I really do recommend it. I mean, it's, it's for a little over four hours, um, four episodes. I watched it straight through. I couldn't stop. I ended up staying way too up, up way too late in the middle of the night, but I couldn't stop watching it. Couldn't take my eyes off of it. So, um, yeah, if you haven't caught that, I, I would definitely recommend it. Nice. Yeah. And for everyone that's listening, if you haven't, I mean, I, I think they might be shutting it down soon, but the servers will remain with the Warner Media service. But DC Universe, a lot of the shows that were on there hit it out of the park. I mean, Titans. Oh, absolutely. Doom Patrol. There, and- there are definitely parts of Titans that will make you kind of facepalm. Don't get me wrong, especially near the end regarding a certain character and electricity. But <laughs> besides that, Swamp Thing, Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol Titans uh, and Harley Quinn. If you Harley haven't seen Quinn Harley Quinn as well, they're still airing Harley Quinn. Young I've Justice. Seen, yeah. I've seen the whole first season of Harley Quinn, uh, and I don't think they finished airing it. But um, it's oh my god, it's so good, it's so good. Yeah. And, and 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 Doom Patrol is very great. And I mean, I we we reviewed the, the whole each episode of Titans on our YouTube channel, and uh, it it got rough there towards the end. Um, at that at some points, we were just yelling into the microphones about how upset we were. Um, especially the last episode. Oh man, oh man, that, that's that, that was an episode for the ages because we just spent almost an hour just just going off on the show. But uh, it's a love hate relationship for Titans because there's some stuff in Titans that I adore to no end. Um, yeah. And I do recommend people watch it. You should watch it and form your own opinion. I just have so many issues with it by the end of it. But uh, yeah, the DC Universe shows people people sleep on this on the service, but it's it, there's some quality content on there. And Star Girl's coming this next year, and it'll simulcast on the CW. So if you can't watch it on DC Universe, you can't catch it on the CW, but uh, I'm definitely looking forward to that one as well. That perfectly segues into the worst part, actually. The things you were saying about Titans, how near the end of it, it kind of skipped a little bit here and there, because my worst movie is Dark Phoenix. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely, I think, the current textbook definition of at the finish line, all you got to do is just, just not screw up, just play it safe live to fight another day kind of thing. And they fell so flat on their face, sending it's, off the X-Men before the whole upcoming migration, presumably to the Marvel stuff. So it's actually funny. HN instituted earlier this year, a new grading system for like movies and things like mm-hmm. that. And of course the first one to get an F was dark <laughs> Phoenix. <laughs> I mean, they deservedly so. It's not a it's not a it's not something it's it's a very rough watch. It's a very rough watch because nothing nothing is earned in that movie, but they do it anyway. And that, that's kind of the, <laughs> that's kind of the worst part is that they don't they, they do these big payoffs, but none of us really are there with them. They're, we're just we're just along for the ride. Yeah. The, the worst part to me was everyone saw it coming a mile away. You know, as soon as the with the director stuff. It's like that storyline's cursed for some reason with Fox and everything whenever they try adapting it. In my opinion, it just blew my mind how everyone a mile away could call that it was going to be a train wreck. And it literally had a train wreck in it, but it also was that bad. I mean, usually a movie's never as bad as people hype it up to be, but this legitimately 
exceeded all terrible expectations. Kind of blows my mind. It is not a good movie. It's not. It's not in any way a good movie. I were there tiny, tiny bits and pieces that I was like, oh, okay, I'll give you that one. I'll give you this here or there. Sure. But it it is not a well-made movie. It's a it's it's definitely on the bad side of Fox Marvel. And there's a lot on that side. There's good stuff as well, but there is a lot of bad. And this is this definitely falls in the bad category. And I just I mean, it went out. It went out, I guess, the way they wanted it to, which was to meander to the finish line and just just (laughs) ride off on the sunset with the little bit of money that they made from it. So, I mean, I mean, what else what else could they ask for? They they screwed it up with Apocalypse and they didn't have they had no way to fix it. Yeah, it was like a it was like running a marathon with two broken legs. Uh, That's the best way I can describe it. But the fact that you started the marathon in a car. You had yeah. you, you were in a car, you were driving, and somehow by the end of it, you had two broken legs, and you were crawling across the finish line. It's it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's pretty sad. Oh uh, God. Um, but my worst TV show actually, and I debated hard on this because just like you said, you know, overall for TV content, I, I saw some pretty good stuff. I I didn't really waste a lot of time watching terrible shows, but excluding the CW stuff because that's limited by various means, I would say the last season of Game of Thrones was it wasn't terrible like as in worse quality but i would say with regards to disappointment definitely game of thrones because there were signs for wait did you watch it before yeah yeah, yeah, I say yeah, okay. yeah, yeah totally it's a fair conversation you, it was um, i think i think if you haven't watched it by now you're not gonna you're not gonna yeah you may no. you, either you're not going to or you may not want to yeah danny's fall from grace if you want to call it that it was telegraphed for i guess a few seasons here and there technically just the way they sped through a lot of stuff. They didn't really give you time to breathe through things to really like Cersei, right? I'm struggling to say it because I know some people are going to be listening to this and I don't want to spoil it for them because I still want them to hopefully watch the other episodes that constitute the series, you know, season by season because it's good. But for some reason, this final season, they just dropped the ball on really fleshing things out and really giving a proper conclusion. I mean, I think part of that is because they dedicated too much time to the whole White Walker storyline and the Night King storyline. So once that wrapped up, they didn't have maybe enough time to properly flesh out certain things, which is dumb to me because see, HBO supposedly offered the showrunners as many episodes as they wanted for the final season. And they told HBO, we don't need extra episodes. We just need you know this tight bunch. But in hindsight, they probably could have used an extra two episodes to really... I don't know. I I just think when it's as rushed as it is, but there's no reason for it to be as rushed as it is, it just it doesn't do it any favors. Because the conclusion's already rather unsatisfying. So between, oh, you know, yeah. water bottles appearing on set and stuff like that. <laughs> Starbucks. Yeah. I'm with you. But here's here's the thing. I enjoyed four sixths of the last season, the first four episodes. Maybe in context of the whole series, um, some, like maybe episode two was a little small. I loved it because it was just so personal to the story um, right before the, the Battle of Winterfell. And then the battle, the battle itself, I thought it was a great episode. Maybe the stakes weren't there. They didn't really kill anyone of real note. But and you know the, the, the way the Night King just kind of ended and they didn't pick up the thread again, it was just kind of over. Um, definitely a lot of issues there, but the, but, but the way they made the first four episodes, I thought I really enjoyed them in the larger context of the show. They are very problematic and I'll, I'll completely agree with that. The last two episodes were 
were were a mess and they weren't they weren't good and they weren't worth the time and the effort we spent eight seasons getting to it was a disappointment danny's turn even though it was telegraphed they had the opportunity to go the other way which would have subverted a lot of expectations but instead they just sped it up in a previously on um they just you know they told us what they were going to do in the previously on rather than letting it happen naturally in the show um i have a lot of issues with her turn the moment it happens um i could go on for hours about that um, just about how it's set up and 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 they just they just do it to do it because that's what they want to do rather than it's what actually the character would do in that moment. But I mean, they, you know, Benioff and Weiss made the choices they did. Um, would there are still six, depending on your opinion, six or seven great seasons of television, and it's worth the watch. And I love Game of Thrones, and i'm 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 disappointed in it the way it did, but i'm 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 still all right because the journey was better than the than the destination, even though I was really looking forward to the destination itself. Yeah, I guess that's what matters at the end, you know, the journey of watching the shows with all the characters. But no, whatever I just think a, about it, it just it hits me the wrong way. Yeah, it just taste. absolutely. Just like uh, I don't know why, for some reason, 2019 was the year of a lot of finales for things, whether it's trilogies, whether it's TV shows, whether it's, I guess, other movie franchises such yeah. as X-Men. A lot of finales fell short in a very disappointing kind of aspect which Absolutely. is just really shocking to me honestly I mean, but the only one that really uh, the infinity saga at least ended on a high note um i yeah. mean that's not the franchise isn't over by any means but that but that portion of it that bit of it those those few characters that did move on um they 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 figured out how to do it at least um, which is crazy because they might have had the most content to you know they had 22 movies to line through um, and they did it with, they did it, you know, with, you know, gangbusters, but, uh, yeah, it was, it, it, Game of Thrones was not the ending anyone wanted. Um, and I definitely hope that this prequel series, uh, not, like, and I'm not, I don't need them to pick up anything from Game of Thrones. I just need it to be its own thing and to, uh, to take the franchise in a new direction. Yeah. Well said. Um, getting on to the next topic, just talking about more, more lighthearted than the previous stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, getting on to some of this Disney Plus news about the Marvel shows in particular. So it looks like WandaVision's moving up. And then also, it looks like alongside Werewolf by Midnight, I'm going to let you definitely go into this a little bit, but it looks like Dracula, uh, according to reports and, I guess, rumors at this moment, but pretty on the nose, at least in the past rumors, we're getting Dracula in the Moon Knight series, which is pretty cool for meme purposes, I guess. But what what are your feelings on that? Getting getting yeah, some we'll more start. supernatural we'll pre blade. Yeah. yeah, we'll start with Dracula. I mean, we we know Feige has come out and said that Moon Knight and Blade, there will be some form of connection, whether that's Moon Knight and Blade, or there's some through line. And I think I think this is a potential through line because we have not gotten much supernatural in the MCU. It's not something that's been explored. But we, you know, when they when Feige comes out on stage comic-con earlier or early last year and goes hey here's mahershal ali we're doing a blade movie you're like well where's the supernatural going to come from that we don't have anything and then well they're like oh no but wait we're going to do a whole disney plus series is going to tell you exactly what's going to happen and what the whole world is like and i think i think that's the benefit of having these shows now is that people you know general audiences won't really care people who don't follow the mcu the way we do and you know the readers and listeners do isn't really going to care when they go to watch blade they're gonna be like oh cool another marvel movie about vampires okay cool but, you know, us, it's like, well, where's the connection? Where's the tissue? Where did this come from? And they're going to give it to us. They're going to give us a show. They're going to introduce these elements with a, with a crazy cool character in Moon Knight that, you know, is one of one of the more interesting, unique characters. And it's great that he's finally getting a live action adaptation. 
and we're going to get this through line with this, you know, a, a vampire, which, you know, people have issues with in on the big screen because of, you know, all, all various sorts of things. I think it's I think it's incredibly interesting and I'm excited to see what they do. And I think this will be one of those instances where we see, well, how does it translate from, you know, watching it on my TV to going to a movie and seeing this this connection it's it's going to be so interesting to see, and that's going to, you know that plays into the whole Disney Plus thing in general. Like you know, Wandavision going straight into Doctor Strange. Well, how is that going to work? What you know, what is it going to look like? And then you know, we're going to find out sooner sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, with introducing Dracula out of you know, like vampires in general is one thing, but you're already doing Werewolf by Midnight. Now you're doing Dracula, which is a pretty big name within that field of the supernatural characters. I think with Moon Knight, what I'm now most excited for versus the other Disney Plus series is really just seeing how far into that realm do they go. Because that could be a perfect avenue, maybe not directly, but indirectly for the new version of Ghost Rider when they eventually do that, since I guess they're not doing the Luna Robbie Reyes one anymore. And the Hulu show. That's one of those instances where, honestly, I understand you know, not wanting to basically continue Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but I kind of wish they would at least keep that Ghost Rider. I mean, they, I mean, they made it seem like when they announced it, like it was going to be, it was kind of going to play on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but not really, and it was going to be its own thing. We're like, okay, well, Gabriel Luna's, you know, he's up and coming. He's getting movie roles. He's, he's the lead Terminator and the new Terminator. It's like, okay, well, he's getting things. He's, he can be a presence. Like, you can do, you can use him. You can do things with him. He's not just some random guy off of ABC show. Exactly. And it's like they kind of just dropped the ball on that, I guess, because of this this TV nonsense with the the Hulu and all the ABC shows. They just don't want anything to do with them. And I don't have an issue with that because everyone always has problems with, well, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't actually connect to the MCU. The MCU connects to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but not the, the other way around. And I think, I mean, that's fair. It's fair criticism, but I didn't need the shows, you know, to be directly, I didn't need, I didn't need Captain America to show up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and then, and then one, you know, Quake to come to the Avengers Endgame. Like, I don't, you know, it's, it's cool for fans, but it's not, it's not, you know, telling a bigger story. But um, I feel like the Ghost Rider is a you know missed opportunity. But I mean, if they use, the, I mean, I would I would hope they would bring Luna back. I doubt it at this point. They'll probably use Johnny Blaze or or, or another iteration of the character. But well, I, I think mean, they might do Danny Ketch actually. Yeah, yeah, I heard that. As his well. origins connect somewhat to Nightmare, who's going to be in Wandavision and Doctor Strange. With that kind of connectivity, I can't see them passing it up. I mean, no, yeah, is... the opportunity's there, and you know, Feige loves to do those kind of things. So it's if 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 the opportunity presents itself, there's no way he's gonna he's gonna let the through line drop. It's it's one of those things where it's kind of funny. It's also I was I was looking up Daniel Ketch earlier because I was kind of thinking, you know, which version of Ghost Rider will they probably do? And early into his career as Ghost Rider, he had a lot of interactions with Blade and other supernatural Marvel characters. So I was like, wow, he actually would be pretty. A pretty good fit just for that and that's what i'm really interested in with shows like moon knight i'm interested like for example with his pantheon of gods since technically it's the same pantheon that black panther's goddess belongs to will they connect that in a more of the spiritual kind of way like will we get a pseudo black panther spiritual realm kind of scene and then are they going to use moon knight with dracula and world by midnight to maybe backdoor pilot kind of reintroduce Z- um, Zarathos, you know, the spirit of vengeance and all that stuff and Mephisto and maybe some other supernatural characters that will spin off into the upcoming blade and then potentially upcoming Ghost Rider movie or Disney plus series. So that's what I'm really interested in now that we're getting big names like Dracula in such a, a relatively flexible product or not product, but series because Moon Knight could be anything, honestly. It could be street level New York or it could be supernatural. Yeah, and people forget, you know, 
everyone people can go on about how you know oh the mcu can grow tired but it's like they're they're literally just just scratching the surface on this supernatural thing just now we haven't even seen it yet they're just announcing that they're doing it and we haven't even you know gotten there yet but there's a whole nother world there that people will love and clamor to the same way that that they have other other you know the galactic the cosmic side and all that it's it's a whole nother realm to be explored and you can do endless amounts of things with and i think i think people are really going to be surprised about what you know what comes out of it yeah marvel's basically going to do the universal dark universe somehow uh, yep. still before <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> universal does their dark universe you know you know mummy bombs invisible man's coming but you know it's still on the way and marvel's going to be already done with their version before you know they can get another one off the ground it's just That's how it works they, they work faster than everybody yeah, I mean, they're a machine, but I mean, that doesn't automatically mean a bad thing. That just means they, they have a system. They have a process of how they do things efficiently. And I don't know how Kevin Feige balances it all. The, the amount of stuff in production right now, I mean, Falcon, Winter Soldier, WandaVision, Eternals, you know, Black Widow's about coming out soon. Like all this stuff is just, and you know, more stuff's going to start filming. Sp- apparently Spider-Man might be filming this upcoming summer. So that's, that's on the docket. Like it's endless. It's absolutely endless. I don't know when the man sleeps. Exactly. Well, speaking on at least WandaVision and Falcon the Winter Soldier, at least because we got the news about WandaVision moving up, what are your expectations for that? And I mean, do you think any of the other series might move up as well at a schedule? Because I know Falcon the Winter Soldier is filming now. So maybe that can come out late 2020. Maybe. I don't know. I think probably still too soon. I think that might push up to like early fall or late summer. I mean, it's still filming, but you know, shows film as they produce episodes and the production still goes on as they release things. So it's not, you know, they can tweak things as long as they get the filming done a few months ahead. So, and, and that one's not going to be VFX heavy. So I think it's different than the WandaVision or a She-Hulk or something like that. That's going to take a little more time. Sure. So it's, so it's, you know, you can get these episodes out earlier in the year. And I think they're doing that because they need, you know, WandaVision needs to be out before Doctor Strange and they need a good portion of time beforehand because they're connecting. And, you know, you don't want a trailer for Doctor Strange 2 out before you know what happens in WandaVision because, you know, it's, it's going to be hard not to give things away or spoil something about what's happening, you know, in, in context. So it's exactly it's a difficult balance, but I think they're doing the right thing. And I think there's also, you know, this is twofold because on the other end. They, you know, they announced at D23, uh, She-Hulk, Moon Knight, Ms. Marvel, and those shows are going to be – they apparently said they're part of Phase 4 and they're going to be coming out within Phase 4. And Phase 4 ends within uh, 2022. Um, you know, those have to be out and they have to have those scheduled and ready to go. And, you know, when production starts, they can't all be running at the same time. So they're just they're just moving up as fast as they can. And, I mean, I mean, I don't have – I don't have – you know, we haven't seen – we haven't seen the Marvel Disney Plus show yet. But if The Mandalorian is any indication about what Disney is, you know, giving them with this, I don't really have any concern. And also you want to keep the service because a lot of people right now are having issues where Mandalorian ends and well, Falcon and Winter Soldier isn't coming out for months. And the original content isn't exactly, you know, pumping out if you're not, you know, if you're not a kid or you're not interested in like High School Musical, the series or something like that, then there's not a lot going on. So people, you know, they want them to stay on the service. So if pumping out things every few months – is definitely helpful in flipping Star Wars and Marvel, Star Wars and Marvel. I mean, once they get going, I don't think the train's going to stop. I guess with the Falcon and Winter Soldier, just touching on this because the recent reports that they're doing a set in – not a set in it because it's a fictional area, but a set taking place in Mandrapur, which is connected to a lot of X-Men stuff, Madame Hydra as well. Like, What are your thoughts on that? I know some people are talking, oh, my God, are they actually implementing some legitimate previous Fox properties now? Are we going to get maybe Wolverine, um, whether it's an alias of him or literally Wolverine? Like, what are your thoughts on that? 
I think it's a it's a little premature to be a oh, Wolverine's going to show up in Disney Plus. But here's the thing. With these Fox properties, you know, there's connective tissue with what Fox had and what Marvel had because the comic books are one massive entity. At some point, they're they're going to start dropping these little things into the shows and the movies that people recognize from the X-Men comics or, you know, Fantastic Four comics that we just haven't been able to see because of the Fox issue. And it's going to be – I don't think they're going to make a big deal. It's not going to be like, you know – the mutants are going to walk out of a portal and here they are. And the mutants are in the MCU now. It's 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 going to be natural. It's going to be slow and progressive. And they're going to be here's a thing you might know if you're a comic fan. And here's a here's a little hint to a character you might know. Um, you know, that those kind of things, little small things that that will help integrate it without without making it a big deal, because it doesn't need to be a huge deal. Sure. The Fantastic Four will be a big, you know, big movie, big deal. I'm sure X-Men and Deadpool will have the same thing, but it's like. There's so much in there, there's endless amounts of characters and places and 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 lore within the X Men and Fantastic Four that it's it's kind of impossible not to use them and I think they're slowly just going to be integrated in the MCU and it's not going to be a oh here's your big announcement you know we're going to Genosha or we're doing this or we're doing that X Men whatever this that or the other it's just going to be like here you guys might recognize this here's a little Easter egg yeah I agree I mean I I think they might do some hints because we're getting more exposure to other super soldier programs like red guardian i guess technically the black widow program in its own way plus u.s agent which has or should have some ties to the super soldier program especially if ross is involved because of how they introduced him being involved with the new project rebirth which created the hulk and then indirectly created the abomination but definitely i wouldn't be surprised if they hint at other countries especially post thanos maybe doing like Canada, maybe Canada has a Weapon X program going on or something like that. Because if they do it based off of Super Soldier programs, just like in the Ultimate comics, I think that'd be a pretty interesting way to go. Because you can, thanks to what they actually established already with Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, you can always do something like those experimentations that gay people powers really just unlocked their mutant abilities. So oh, you can always kind absolutely. of pseudo retcon. But with Mandrapore... In particular, I one half of me wants Hydra, like Madam Hydra, and the other half of me is kind of tired of Hydra. Also, I'm really interested in because I think it's one of the vision also, right? Which is introducing Sword. So I'm really right, yeah, apparently I'm really curious about that. Like what like there's so much coming at us uh really I mean, it, quickly. It's, it's crazy. You know, you watch it's a post credit scene for Spider Man Far From Home, and then we're getting set photos from the set of, you know, WandaVision with a character from Captain Marvel that involves um that that it's 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 so all over the place but it all you know it's one universe it works um but yeah and then you look at the comics with what Captain marvel's been doing leading alpha flight slash basically leading sword sure absolutely there's so so much nuts there's so much connectivity it's 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 you know it's blowing your mind it's it's i mean who knows how far they go and i think you know on the on the manjapur thing i mean you know today it's manjapur you know, next next year we get oh oh hey we're going to Latveria or you know we're we're you know we're we're getting these we're getting these things and you know there is a Weapon X drop in in Black Widow or in or in Falcon Winter Soldier they just mention a name and people lose their minds because we know it's coming but they I just they're not gonna just they're not gonna just throw it at us it's it's gonna be gradual and it's gonna be you know piece by piece yeah I think that was a report actually that one of the visions gonna introduce um, basically Doctor Doom like like yeah, Latveria or. Again, like you were saying, I mean, like today it's that, and tomorrow, you know, it might be first look at Fantastic Four. Or right there, it Con. is. That's just how fast everything's moving. It's, it's yeah, way personally, I think they should just skip the Fantastic Four and just do a future foundation. You it's, could still it's, it's do not FF. A bad, it's not a bad that, route but, to go to start, uh, not at all. Yeah, I mean, just at this point, it's like 
I don't know. That's just me personally. I've always preferred Future Foundation if they were to bring them to the MCU versus Fantastic Four, just because they've they've already done two Fantastic Four series at this point. You know, let's just kind of let's skip on to Future Foundation. But that's just me personally. I know a lot of people disagree with me heavily, especially probably Kevin Feige since he's uh, that's his baby. Directly you know? name drops. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. that's the one thing he wants to get right. And I think all power to him. But honestly, I'm not as worried about the Fantastic Four because it's such an enclosed. You know, it's a, it's a family, four people against, you know, a few villains like that kind of thing. You can integrate them in the bigger picture, but they but they can keep small and together. But the X-Men are such a bigger, you know, issue at hand. They're a whole race, you know, species basically of people. And it's it's hard to just, you know, toss that in there and be like, oh, we're here now. You can't do that. And, and I know Foggy knows he can't do that. So it's going to be exactly. gradual and short and it's going to take time to integrate into the universe. I'm sure, you know, in a few years we'll be watching X-Men astonishing x-men marvel studios film and you know we'll, we'll be done talking about it no 100 percent. and then our last topic for today um maybe our juiciest who knows star wars the rise of skywalker if you haven't seen it yet please click out come back later after you've seen it because we're going to reference spoilers here with no hesitation and the first thing that comes to mind let me know your thoughts on this jackson is they call it the skywalker saga but leaving the theater processing the movie maybe seeing it again, maybe seeing it a third time. I can't confirm or deny, but in my mind, it's less Skywalker saga and more Palpatine saga. It's tough for me. It's, it's tough because if uh, walking out of the last Jedi, um, I was definitely mixed on the film. I've come way around on it. I think it's an incredible movie. And, you know, everyone has their own opinions on that movie. And it's one of the most divisive things to ever come out. We're not here to talk about that, but I think, you know, coming out of that, I was I was still on this board of the Skywalker saga, the Ben Solo against you know Ray Nobody. You know he's a Skywalker. It's about the, the 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 temptation of the Skywalkers and the failure of Luke and all that stuff. And I thought there was some meaty stuff there. You know by opening this movie with you know the dead speak, Palpatine is back. You know releasing an audio clip on Fortnite to, to for the message that you have to hear Palpatine say if you want to have that context. It's I think I think the Palpatine saga is an interesting way to put it. I feel like they only put that in this last movie, and I think it I think it does present a lot of issues between the uh, previous two films, specifically with Snoke and and Kylo, and definitely now Rey itself because they connected all three of them. I just think they went out of their way to try to make it a bigger deal between these two families when in reality, you know, the the original trilogy was about Darth Vader and Luke turning his father back to the good side more so than it was about the Emperor. The Emperor was a um, you know bigger presence. And then the prequels were about Anakin's fall and the the Emperor's, you know, hand in that and his his story. But then they've just made it like he's been this you know, the puppet master, the entirety of the entire saga. And it's, uh, I, I find it a little frustrating. Um, I find it a little annoying. Um, <laughs> I can use a lot of different uh, synonyms for that. I think it's a tough sell for me. I also think they go out of their way at the end of the movie to be like, Hey, uh, it was the Skywalker saga. Ray chose to be a Skywalker. She's not a Palpatine. It's like, okay, I get it. Random stranger walking by can ask you what your last name is for some reason. But, uh, yeah, it's a tough sell. Um, I think, I would not have put Palpatine in this movie, but again, I'm not J.J. Abrams and I'm not Chris Terrio, but and they did what they did, but yeah. that's just. Well, did you hear what Chris Terrio said? He said Kathleen Kennedy is the one who told him to include Palpatine back into. It. I mean, personally, if I'm I was in charge that. of the story, I would have, I would have probably done Plagueis actually as the one behind Snoke and all that stuff. Maybe just because I think Plagueis would have worked more interesting, and like you said, not making it this thing about Palpatine versus the Skywalkers. And then plus you could have done a really interesting plot line of 
you know, there's rumors still today that, you know, Plagueis trying to manipulate the midichlorines resulted in the force rebelling against Plagueis and creating Anakin. And then you could have easily done something where after seeing how that went, Plagueis maybe tried again, resulted in the creation of Rey, which explains, you know, Rey's kind of mysteriousness. I mean, I, th- I thought that would have added more right. and to the franchise versus what they actually yeah. Absolutely. I mean, and like, and, and like, yeah. I love this conversation, you know, I love that back and forth, but you know what I wish, I wish they had done something like that and mapped it out from episode seven, but they did. Yes. That is actually a big problem I have too, because I don't know if you read the extra, you know, materials like comics and all the other stuff they released to support the events of what happened during episode seven and before, but they've actually retconned a lot of stuff. Like I think in episode seven, they said Kylo Ren either with or without the Knights of Ren for destroying the Jedi Temple Luke yeah, made. They, and yeah, the they just recently went back and said that that wasn't the case. Yeah, instead it wasn't Ben Solo that did that. It was like some mysterious lightning storm that hit the Jedi Temples and lit them on fire and this and that. And Snoke himself, who persuaded Ben Solo to him to become Kylo Ren, I guess was disfigured due to a previous battle with Luke. But obviously in Episode Nine they retconned that. And they made the disfigurement a byproduct somehow of the cloning, whatever Palpatine did to create Snoke from his original genetic sampling. I mean, it was, you're you're right. The biggest thing that would have been nice to see was a consistent, unified plan from beginning, middle to end. And here, here's where I take the biggest issue. And I have a lot of issues with, it it could be Kathleen, it could be JJ, it might be Chris Terrio, it could be any of the three. Um, it could be all of them. It could be, you know, one of them, you know, whatever the case may be. So episode seven, JJ comes in, a, a, he re, he reinvigorates the franchise with, you know, however you feel. I think the force awakens is a, is a solid movie. I think it's very well made. I think it brings fun back to star Wars. I think it opens up interesting things. They handed the reins to Ryan Johnson and they said, Ryan, you make the movie that you want to make. He made the movie. It's divisive. People didn't like a lot of the choices made. Um, I'm not on that boat, but um, similar Lucas's vision, though, oddly enough, it, it, it follows a lot of the stuff. Uh, Luke's Luke's arc is very similar to what Lucas would have done, um, which is one of the big things that people take a lot of issue with. I think the case is, is that they let him make that movie. People didn't agree with all the choices, but rather than standing by the movie that they produced and made. Yes, Ryan wrote and directed the movie. And it came out. Kathleen looked over the script. Kathleen said, you're good to go. People, you know, high up, higher up as Lucasfilm were on the, producing the movie, sat there and said, you're good to go, Ryan. Let's take this movie. Let's put it out there. You want you want to kill Snoke? You want to make Kylo the villain? Let's do it. JJ comes in and said, oh, people didn't like it. Kathleen said, oh, no, people didn't like it. Chris Terrio goes, oh, people didn't like it. We're just going to we're going to we're going to take the things that we did like from The Last Jedi. We'll cherry pick them like the force visions and the, the little things here and there. But what we didn't like. We're not even going to reference. We're going to throw it away. We're not even going to talk about it. We're just going to move on to what the thing that we're doing. They put it out there, and it's a metal mess. It's all over the place. It doesn't. It doesn't fit to me either. The other two movies, to me, The Last Jedi is a sequel to The Force Awakens. You may not agree with the choices, but I don't know what this is a sequel to. This is some crazy fan fiction that they came up with to try to appease fans by bringing back a villain that they assumed everyone liked. I mean, sure, Ian McDermott as Palpatine is fantastic, and he's a great. He and in the prequels, he's fantastic. What he does in Episode Six is great. No one, no one's going to argue that. But just throw, tossing him in there in the opening crawl and releasing a thing on Fortnite, like what, what is going on here? It's a mess. This is not a sequel to the movie that was made before. It was something that you made to appease fans. And listen, all the power to you, but I'm not going to sit here and like it. Yeah, I mean, the big problem I had was in Episode Seven, and we talked about something which I'll bring up in a minute, but. 
episode seven, they institute a lot of plot lines. And one that I was actually really interested in was Finn because they introduced that Finn was force sensitive. And maybe that was why he was able to break away from the supposed brainwashing that a lot of the stormtroopers go through when they're kidnapped as children. And potentially that left Finn's plot line. While obviously Ray was destined to have a final confrontation with Ben Solo slash Kylo Ren, it left Finn available to maybe kind of do something we've never seen before, which is a stormtrooper now on the other side, you know, not on the rebellion, but I guess the resistance at this point, and maybe lead a stormtrooper uprising. You know, his foe was Captain Phasma. That would have been a really cool thing to see planned out, especially if they did something where he loses, you know, his battle with her the first time, maybe the second battle more even, but he still loses. And then the third one, he finally gets that satisfying win. That, alongside of him using a lightsaber, it was all there. Episode 8, The Last Jedi, really dropped all of that. And it really sucked because I don't think Rose is a bad character, but that plot line was really dumb when you think about it because it was basically Finn being lectured and taught the evils of slavery and stuff like that when he was a child, basically a slave soldier, which just kind of threw me off. But then with Episode 9, besides the handling of... Like, it was weird. They they definitely cherry-picked, and they were very disrespectful in a lot of indirect ways to The Last Jedi. Besides the fact that the Ochi's Dagger plotline was a huge deus ex machina. Like, without that, the whole plot of The Rise of Skywalker falls apart, basically. Um, everything from connecting Ray's parents to finding Palpatine to basically everything. Um, even Lando's inclusion falls apart when you remove Ochi's Dagger. The way they handled the Force in Episode Nine really bothered me. I mean, they did the whole Force dyad thing, which I thought was kind of a rushed concept introduced to explain the connectivity Ryan Johnson instituted with the Force bond. That bothered me. Not the Force dyad, but it bothered me how Ray, her relationship to Palpatine was signified by Force lightning. And we talked about this because but pre-recording because it basically sets a standard for a lot of general audience members to think of the force less as a spiritual you know esoteric spiritual essence across the galaxy less like that and more so like a sci-fi generic superpower because now people are going to think oh if your parent has this ability then you automatically have that ability when in reality if anyone's a force user you can use any force ability and uh, here, here, here's the thing. So I'm th- there's a moment, and I think it's in the throne room um, in the Last Jedi, and I think there, uh, there's a, you know, the Skywalker did a lot of, you know, disservice to this moment, where Snoke is talking to Kylo Ren and Rey, and he goes, you know, when when I was training Kylo on the dark side, the light side awakened a force inside of someone else to match Kylo Ren's power, because the dark side was rising again, and to find balance, there needs to be a balance. And I believe I, I I thought that was an incredible idea. I thought, oh wow, you know, training this dark side, you know, Snoke and and Kylo's dark side abilities, you know, bringing out this unbalance in the Force, and then them unlocking in Ray, just just random girl on Jakku, um, because she's she's the one they've chosen, the Force has chosen to to you know match them. I thought was a really fascinating idea, and you know, something we didn't really get to explore in in the original trilogy, but something sort of touched on in the prequels with um with Anakin at least because we don't have you know specific answers as to how he came into existence but you know you know Palpatine was training Maul and there there's this dark side of the force that was that was uprising and they were coming and there was needed to be this balance and they one was created to bring balance and Rey you know seemingly was that choice in the last Jedi 
but then they made it at the end of the you know the rise of skywalker if you're not a skywalker and you're not a palpatine you're not really relevant in the force you know finn might have the force but no one really cares because it, 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 he just says he does you know he he has these feelings and that's in and, and like you said it's an interesting plot line to to that they could have picked up and and you know dealt with i don't know if you've seen the um deleted scene the the deleted phasma death the alternate one from the last jedi i haven't seen an alternate one but so so the alternate one um finn i actually just watched this last week finn is confronting phasma in the in the ship when it's exploding at the same moment but instead of um them having a little fight finn just starts to discuss with phasma what happened in the force awakens where he took her hostage and she turned off the shields and when he tells her uh, when he you know uh, says that uh, the rest of her soldiers start to question her and start to look at her and be like wait you did what and they they literally start to like like look away and like the walk away from her and then they end up uh finn ends up killing her anyway um in a, in a fight similarly to how it happened but i thought i was, I was like oh wow i actually would have much rather preferred that because that would have fed right into this this uh stormtrooper thing you could have had those you know these stormtroopers be like we felt this 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 feeling and you know all this stuff and it would have helped with finn and all this stuff but the, the you know they went they went more so for the the generic let me beat you up and say a quick you know quippy line death that works well in blockbuster movies but i thought the other moment was was very well done um that they ended up deleting but i just think the force is so muddled in this and i think i think what it, this movie ends up saying by the end of it is yeah anyone can have the force but if you're not a palpatine or skywalker it doesn't matter yeah, because that's one thing the the last Jedi set out to do was to basically say you don't have to be a Skywalker, you don't have to be, you know, from this well known, well established, well respected bloodline in the galaxy. Anyone could be like the next hero, the next Luke Skywalker, that kind of thing. I mean, with the kid with the broomstick, you know, all that stuff at the end. That's kind of the message I got, which is yeah, why absolutely. some of the stuff in the Rise of Skywalker was just a little disappointing to just see how much of a slap in the face the last Jedi was. Well, I think because yes, yeah. like ah, uh, I mean. Not to cut you off, but like the one yeah. moment where uh, they go out of their way to say, you know, oh, when Luke showed up and he saved us on Crate and Leia sent out that message, no one answered it. But even even though at the very end of the movie, the the very thing that that Johnson sets out to show you with the broom kid is that hope has been restored. Obviously in that world, but but in general, you know, Luke defeat, you know, Luke stood up to the First Order single handedly and allowed them to escape. And the and the resistance has arrived, and the broom kid got that message, and he has the ring, and it's it's about the resistance, and the hope is back. But then we open on the rise of Skywalker, and hope has been murdered and is dead, and no one cares. We literally go to um, you know, we go to uh, Poe to that planet where he's talking to Carrie Russell's character, and she goes, yeah, it's dead. No one cares. Uh, they're all too scared. And, until Lando, you know, needs to show up for a third act fight, and then they all show up. You know, it just feels like it wasted so much. Pent like the second movie needs to needs to you know light the spark. When we open oh, this agree. movie, the spark is dead. There is no spark. It's just, you know, stuff happened off screen. You know, there was a Fortnite message and then the movie starts and then there's yeah, no big, there's nothing. Well, a big problem I had also was and a lot of people I know they might be saying you're being overly critical with regards to the Ray using force lightning to signify her relation to Palpatine thing. They had to show that to explain to the general audience that connection um, visually. And I, I understand that the show rather than tell at the moment. There's other creative ways to do it, I think, than to – at the same time, a big issue I had was how they handled the Lando twist because supposedly that was filmed and everything. Lando revealing he basically is the, the father of, um, I think, Janna yeah, is the character's name. And the visual and dictionary confirms it's it. In, yeah, it's in the visual dictionary. It's in the novelization supposedly. 
it's everywhere. But they last minute cut it out of the film supposedly because they want to give Lando a Disney Plus series with Jana, I guess, to explore where she came from and probably in that series, whether it's a mid-season finale, the season finale, they'll reveal Lando's actually the father after all. I mean, I understand that from like a business perspective, but I think it's kind of shitty this that they the, did that yeah, because it's, it's like making a DLC this, for a movie. It's the it's it's the occlusion of a giant saga and you want to spend the very last moments of the celebration doing things like setting up a Disney Plus show. Yeah, well, and it made it weird. Too. It was, like, it was an incredibly was weird scene. Weird. It was an incredibly weird scene. People, some people have taken it like he was hitting on her. It was a very weird moment that that felt really out of place. And then you go, well, that was weird. And then you know, in the same vein, like they they do some really crappy fan service to to pick up a thing from forty years ago where Chewbacca didn't get a medal. So Maz walks over and hands him a medal. I mean, are you kidding me? Like, come on now. It's not. This is. This isn't like. It's just not the way. This isn't the way I would have pictured this saga ending and it just was really a big disappointment when i was talking to brandon katz in a previous episode of the h&e pod we brought this up and we we were both kind of like like this was a big thing for us but when reflecting on reflecting on the entire trilogy you know i rewatched the last jedi and the force awakens again and i keep being dumbfounded whenever i ask myself what was the point the purpose like outside of obviously making money for disney and all that stuff right like what was the purpose story-wise of this saga like what did it tell us that the previous original trilogy already didn't tell us because luke already basically had the story up until his reveal of you know the the farm boy basically a nobody becoming a hero obviously you already have the redemption thing that they did with kylo with darth vader i think the problem is is that each movie had something different to tell us I think yeah. each movie had a different lesson, and by the end of it, they just decided that the lesson that the second one had wasn't the one they did wanted to do in the third, so they need to make it something different. Um, and I think that was really a poor choice, and I really think walking back on this trilogy as a whole, it's a tough watch. Obviously, the prequels are not there quality-wise at all, and they're not there filmmaking-wise at all, but it, there's a connective tissue, and you know where the story goes. It starts and it ends. There's stuff in between that doesn't work, but it, it, you know, it, it makes sense as to why it's happening. Um, it yeah. just may, may not be good. This is did just you, all over the place. It's funny. When they did the ray with the force lightning, I was like, oh, God, they're doing like the kind of more generic sci-fi version of the force where it's like, you know, superpowers basically passed down from, you know, parent to child, whatever. And first, that made me think, how powerful is Palpatine's kid? But then second, it made me think when Ray was using basically force life transference, not really force healing. Were they kind of slowly jabbing at the audience and saying that the theory that Palpatine transferred life essence from Padme into Anakin was true? Because that was like a huge thing where it's, it's like, how did Palpatine know she died? And I think like it opens how wink wink he was about it. I think it opens a Pandora's box of nonsense that can go <laughs> can go so many different directions and just muddle this franchise down even more so than it already is. Um, it's just it's rough because there's so many implications you bring out like the Snoke cloning. Can you clone a force user or was he or was, was he using him as a vessel? You know, those kind of things. Was he actually legitimately was he Snoke like inside of his body, like influencing or was did he clone a legitimate force user, which is a huge implication. But I, I don't, it's just full of nonsense and things that I, they just put in there without really any regard for the overall story, like the fact that Leia and Luke knew that she was a Palpatine, which I found patently ridiculous. I, yeah, I don't in there. I thought that was kind of. Dumb, they just threw it in. I mean, really I can understand. Luke it was unnecessary maybe, but... to me. 
there was no need for them to have known because it makes it look in the last day they look they look so dumb. Why would they why would they agree to teach her? She if they knew, oh, because they thought Palpatine was dead. That's nonsense. And it, it was a line that did need to be in there in any way, shape or form. But they put it in there for whatever reason, because I guess in the original trilogy, Obi-Wan knew that Luke was Vader's son. So, you know, we're going to put this in here. We're going to have Luke sit on a log just like Obi-Wan did with his certain point of view speech. It's 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 ridiculous. And it's it was unnecessary. I think we've said enough on it. I mean, overall, I, I just yeah. I was rather disappointed <laughs> by the, the Disney sequel trilogy just because I guess to summarize my thoughts, I didn't really think the value of the sequel trilogy. I thought The Last Jedi introduced a new value in how it decided to take the franchise in a different direction, which was different than what we got previously. So whether whether we liked it or not, at least it was giving us something different. But I thought the retcons that were instituted within The Rise of Skywalker and just how that basically went backwards on any potential progress or innovative, creative, new, whatever you want to call it, ideas from episode eight, that really put a souring tone in my mouth, especially if that's supposed to be the final send off, so to speak, with regards to the Skywalkers and all that. Um, I was just kind of, it was just a little disappointing because I felt, like I said in the beginning of this segment, it was more like the Palpatine saga at the end of the day, more so than the Skywalker saga. What, what are your final thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, I took the words right out of my mouth. I think it's just disappointment is the word to use. I think it's I think it's a bummer that it had to go this way. I feel like they could have made a sequel to The Last Jedi that, that took the franchise in a direction that they could have pleased general audiences and also fans of that movie. Um, I just think they just tried to ignore it to make a big spectacle of it and use all the force randomness that they want because that's what people gravitate towards. And I think it's a disservice because I think I think Ryan Johnson tried to make, you know, not not to use this term as like, you know, uh, hoity toity, but uh, made Star Wars like cinema, make it, you know, auteur, make it beautifully shot with an interesting story. And yes, some stuff didn't work. Candlebite doesn't work all that well, but the, the stuff that did work really did. And I thought that they just kind of dumbed it down for a general audience. So they, they didn't really need to do that. Yeah. So I guess that's it for this episode. Feel free to check out Jackson on socials and well, I guess I'll just let you say it. Since you you know your the way <laughs> yeah, to, yeah. to you better than I do, um, yeah, you can follow me at Jackson Hayes sixty seven on Twitter. Uh, that's where I do most of my social mediaing, and you know, check out my site fullcirclecinema.com and you know, check out H and E and watch all H and E stuff. You know, see now now I'm all revved up from the Star Wars, but yeah, I know. <laughs> it's I hard to come down. That, yeah, have a happy New Year if you guys are listening all the way to the end. Hopefully, that last topic wasn't super deci- divisive. I guess I, I guess I'll say that much. Um, <laughs> Definitely, hopefully it goes over better than the previous H&E pod episode where we had a segment about toxic fandom that went very poorly reception wise with a lot of people. Well, a lot of people didn't listen to the whole thing. You know, they just see the title and they react. Yeah. Thanks for listening. If you have, go check us out on SoundCloud, Spotify for the full audio version or if listening to the segments on YouTube, check out the other segments. Uh, Hopefully you guys like what you guys hear and leave any feedback in the comments below. We'll see you guys later.